with the show. Thanks for listening and watching Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora all around the world. With that being said here on the broadcast, you know that every other Tuesday, we have the opportunity, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. bi-monthly, to bring you Christie's Corner. And Christie's Corner featuring Christy Salters, the International Boxing Hall of Famer, who has also written a book and put that out for us. She's been on Netflix specials and specials all throughout. She's had the opportunity to connect with us in so many different ways through so many different pieces of media. She continues to promote today and does a tremendous job bringing boxers together, bringing people together, bringing lovers of the sport together. She is the consistent message of what it means to pay it forward and to give back. And we appreciate her so much for that. She is joined, of course, by boxing photographer and the owner of PB&J's Lunchbox, which proudly brings you Christie's Corner exclusively, that being Miss Pat Orr. And today's very special guest, we have Boxing Bob Newman of FightNews.com. So a lot of great stuff coming up here today on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. So let me say welcome to Christy, to Bob, and to Pat. Hello and good morning, everybody. Good morning, morning, everybody. Christy and Bob. So, Christy, I'll start with you here and and just kind of what my intro was in in the fact that you have done so much uh, throughout your life to give. Obviously, you were given opportunity and you fought really hard for those opportunities. And Don King uh, reaching into a world that a lot of people hadn't ventured in and, and promoting a female boxer and then you promoting everything that you've done from your career forward to help people out, both male and female, to see what you can do in this world of creating, doing things different, doing things in a positive and productive way and showing people that you care. So I meant exactly what I said in the intro, and I'd love to know why you pay it forward the way that you do. No, Dan, um, geez, God gave me a great opportunity that no one really believed in or thought that could, could really work or, or catch on by this crazy boxing career that I had, hooking me up with Don King and um, just growing and growing and getting out there. But also from my parents instilled in me from the word go that you can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. You have to work hard, bust your butt. And get out there and and look for success, and that's what I've always tried to do. And I try now, being on this side of the promotion, to give other fighters an opportunity to showcase their skill to achieve their dream. I mean, so many people. You don't start boxing. I don't personally think you don't start boxing to be an opponent. So everybody starts boxing thinking they're going to be a champion. And and as you go along with your career, you learn where you're going to fit in the boxing world. Um, but I, I really, really want to give young fighters an opportunity to put that green belt or or one of those world championship belts around their waist. Yeah, you know, and, and you and I have talked uh, many times about the opportunities and the different things that you're working to create and the things that you're you're looking to do. What kind of drives you and, and gets you so amped up about it? Why do you like seeing other people in the ring? You know, it's uh, I'm a fight fan, obviously. I've uh, been a fight fan for a very long time. But when you start to learn the backstories of the guys that I work with as personally uh, and to know that you're part of their success and part of their step up that ladder and 
it's exciting for me. It's exciting. Obviously, I want to go to. I want to see good fights. Like we saw Saturday night. Um, Crawford and Spence was a, a very entertaining fight. Very one-sided, but entertaining yeah. if you're on the Crawford side, and we were. So that was good for us. <laughs> um, you know, I just think that boxing, as much negativity as it receives, it also has given so many fighters a way out. It's given them a path to success, whether it be their success might not be in boxing, but boxing helped build them and give them an opportunity to do something outside the ring. Yeah, you know, and those opportunities and creating those chances uh, for somebody to obviously grow and to learn and to evolve. And, and we have a special guest here on the broadcast this morning here on Christie's Corner Inside a Wake Up Call, and that's Boxing Bob Newman. Uh, Bob and I got to know each other yesterday as we kind of talk going into this and learning a little bit about his history. So I want to bring Bob in here. Bob, how you doing today? Very good, Dan. Thanks. And, and uh, yourself? I'm doing very well. And, and, and Bob, I mean, for you, this this has been an interesting journey. I know that you shared it with me yesterday, but I'd love for, for you to kind of share your connection to boxing and you know, becoming a photojournalist and, and working with fightnews.com and, and being the longest, ser- one of the longest serving members on the staff since back in 1999. So just what you could say about how you got started in this and, and your passion for it as well. Well, you know, it's, um, it, I, I am old enough to uh, remember, um, you know, the early 70s and, and Ali and Frazier uh, being on television. My dad was a fan. And for me, you know, I saw some of those fights, but what really galvanized my interest was in 76 and watching the U.S. Olympic team in Montreal and seeing all their fights. And some of those guys, you know, I was old then. And, you know, Leo Randolph, a flyweight gold medalist, was was only 18. So, you know, he was only a few years older than me. And and being a, a skinny, skinny kid, I mean, you know, Pat and Chris, met me and I, I I know you probably wouldn't believe I was a skinny little wimpy kid, but um, just, you know, getting up and, and things like that and, and not defending myself and being real emotional and not wanting to fight back. I would look at those kids on that Olympic team, those young men, and just in awe of them. Um, how, how do you stare down an opponent across the ring from you and not be afraid? And it wasn't until, you know, many years later, reading and learning a lot about what you know, custom auto top Mike Tyson, everybody's afraid it's, it's what you do with the fear and how you, how you kind of channel it. So, you know, fast forwarding into the eighties, um, I remember going out to buy a VCR in, in 1985 specifically for the Larry Holmes, David Bay fight, but why I was going to record it. I, I don't know. I just had this urge. I wanted to record that fight and I've not stopped recording and collecting fights. Um, ever since then and then um moving into uh you know the internet era my, my brother who, um, who who works in in um the computer world um started learning websites and he helped me build a website basically as a vehicle to to get credentials to to cover boxing matches and i created my own website yeah um it was a lot of work but what i did is uh, eventually um, joined up with Fight News, who was starting at the same time in the late 90s as, as my website. And um, 
I didn't have to do the work of, you know, uh, maintaining the website and so on and so forth. And um, they really gained traction and had a lot of sponsors and became, you know, really the um, the, the forefront of, of all boxing, uh, you know, web-based media. And um, you know, from that point on, I, it, that was how I got my foot in the door. My mom wouldn't let me fight, you know, but, you know, she said, you have too many brains, so you use it in a different way. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I joined Fight News and yeah you know and 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 i appreciate you telling that story and connecting with us you know kind of where you came from and your love for it like you said you started taping it you didn't know why you did it that first fight but you've been taping them and keeping them ever since pat so we have pat Orr here with us the owner of pb and j's lunchbox which i should just say the owner of of some of the greatest food that this world has ever seen and so you know with that being said also a you're welcome also a uh, boxing photographer. By the way, I did get my shrimp tacos before I went on the road to Texas and, and North Carolina. I want everybody to know that. So, um, you know, Pat, you, you've you seen a lot of different things through the lens as well. And, you know, as, in the coming week, I have some ideas of going a little bit deeper into, you know, your story. But to just share, you know, for you, you know, you hear Bob talk about for some reason, you know, he wanted to get that VCR and he wanted to start taping fights you've seen so many things through your lens as they're happening. And you've told me really incredible stories about how you were ready for a shot when a bunch of people were kind of just sitting, they're eating popcorn, having a soda, and you're up there and and you've grabbed some of the best shots by always being ready so you didn't have to get ready. So I'd love for you to kind of just dive a little bit more into the through the lens story from your point of view. You know, Dan, um, like shooting boxing, you see a different fight than people do sitting in the stand and people watching on TV because you're only seeing parts of it because you're concentrating on getting the shots. Um, a lot of times I I can't even tell you who won the fight unless it was a knockdown. Um, just by the, you know, the action and stuff through the lens is a little different and I think Bob can, can confirm that. Um, and like the fight you're talking about was the Tyson Holyfield one. And I was at the MGM Grand. I never got to be ringside at the MGM Grand. I was always up top. Well, up top was behind the last seat in the house, and it was on scaffolding. And there was tons of people on the scaffolding, most of them with point cameras um, or the little Canon Rebels and stuff like that. That you know they couldn't. He's going to look like a pencil dot on the in the lens. You know, it's not. You're not going to get anything that's usable. And I had uh, a 400 millimeter lens with a with a 2x extender on it, and um, it was everybody's eating popcorn and drinking beer. They're up there for a party, and I think I was the only one that had a camera up to my face. And when I saw Tyson going down, I yelled, "Oh, Tyson's going down!" just to get them all excited. As my shutter was continuously going and getting stuff, popcorn was flying, drinks were flying, beer bottles were flying off the scaffolding for them trying to get their camera and you know they didn't get anything so it was it was kind of like a a joy moment for me because i was the only one working up there and you know the rest of them were up there just watching the fight and that's what they did and and in boxing people get credentials just if they're friends with somebody um you know so there there's so many people in boxing that shouldn't have credentials particularly the photographers um you got to see if somebody comes in with a point and shoot camera um they're not going to get anything from up top so they shouldn't be credentialed and but they get them and they do it and and it's um it's a frustrating part when you're there actually doing work and you know what you're doing to have to compete with you know 
people that just get in your way. Um, but it, it was exciting that night and I actually did get the shots, but I didn't know until I got home because I didn't have a place to develop my film. So, and I had to push process. So when I pushed process and I got home and my boss looked at me, he goes, geez, you, you got a really nice shot here, you know? <laughs> so, and, uh, it was probably the one that I sold the most of like Mark Ratner, the commissioner bought one. He bought one for the, for the, um, the judges, friends in the, in the crowd, in the background of the shot and for the referee. And, um, so it was, a that was probably my, my proudest moment in, in boxing for, as a photographer. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I mean, there's always that notion of be ready so you don't have to get ready. And you were exactly that. So we're all talking about fights. It's time to talk about Spence Crawford. I'm going to go to Christy first on this. Bob, last night when we were talking on the phone, was very, very adamant about how he kind of felt about it. He laid a little note in there last night. So we're going to I'm going to get to everybody on this, but. Christy, I'm going to start with you. Spence Crawford, bring me into it through your eyes. Well, so I have a little background first. Um, Crawford, Crawford is one of those guys that I wasn't sure he had dog in him. And when he fought Sean Porter, I know Sean Porter has dog in him. I know that he can dig deep, but he's just a junkyard dog, Sean Porter, when in the boxing ring. Yeah. And I was going against Lisa and said, no, Porter's going to upset him. Yeah. And she loves Bud Crawford. Oh, my gosh. She loves her some Bud. So she says, no, no, no. So I actually lost a bet to her. We go to the Hall of Fame, not this year, but last year. Bud Crawford was there. Lisa tells Bud that I don't think he's dog. he's got any dog in him. Of course, I'm across the room. Now here comes Bud Crawford walking to me. Oh, so you don't think I got any dog in me, huh? <laughs> Like, no, 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 you changed that. But I'm like, you know, I just thought you were like a kind of a nice guy. I didn't know that you could get dirty and dig, dig deep, you know. So I took that and I was 100%, well, I'll say 99% Crawford's going to win this fight because he proved to me, he, he showed me, no, 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 he's got the dog in him. And Spence just didn't seem, to me, he seems injured. He seems something's just not the same or that 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 was pre-fight i just wasn't sure something was the same but let me tell you crawford had the perfect game plan lots of people can have the perfect game plan but he executed the perfect game plan i mean from exactly. word go he he totally dominated the fight and and made it look easy i thought and he also, I, I feel like Crawford sometimes starts slow. He started this fight on his game, fast, quick. He was he was dictating the pace from the beginning. He was he controlled the movement in the ring. He controlled when they did fight, when they didn't fight. He was the aggressor. To me, it was just really from round one a matter of time. Yeah, you know. And, and, but, and even though it was seemed like. It was really one-sided. It was a great fight for boxing because we finally get two two guys in the ring together um, that the fans have been clamoring to see for a long time. So great for Buck Crawford. He is definitely, too, in my opinion, he is the face of boxing now, and hopefully he'll just continue to get bigger and better fights because he's a good dude. I think he's a good dude. He supports his family, and um, it just seems like he's like the guy next door. So, Pat, you were agreeing when Christy was saying that he dictated the fight. What were your thoughts? 
Oh, I think he, I haven't seen him fight. I haven't seen any of his fights. Um, I've only met him at the Hall of Fame and talked to him. And he, he seems like a real humble, genuine person. And at the Hall of Fame induction weekend, he was talking to every champion he could. And they wanted to see him. They wanted to shake his hand. They wanted to take pictures with him. Because, like, I think the champs of the past and the current champs know that he he's the legit product. You know, he, he's got it all. And if he can perform against Spence the way we, you know, we think he is, then, you know, he is the legit guy in boxing right now. You know, he's, when you have the personality that he has and the humbleness, um, it was so refreshing to see him being excited with the, the pot, boxers of the past and stuff and, and to be humble. And, you know, he was honored to meet them and they were honored to meet him. So they knew, it seemed like they knew something that, you know, everybody else just didn't know yet. And I thought the fight was, he definitely did dictate the fight from the start. And he was controlled, he was calm, and he was landing so many punches. And I think Spence, Spence just had a gaze in his eye that just, it just didn't look like he was there. I mean, there was, there was something about Spence and maybe he was hurt. Maybe... You know, maybe the accident he was in caused more damage than, than people know or that he's led on to. Um, and, that, you know, I think he's he's a great guy, too. But um, I think Spence Spence climbed up the top of the ladder and he's sitting up top right now. And, and he's going to he's going to be in control of his destiny, I think. Appreciate your thoughts, Bob. You you uh, you kind of let off a little note to me last night. Your your thoughts on this fight? You know, it's interesting, Dan. After you and I finished our conversation last night, I um I stumbled across uh, a conversation um, with a uh, a gerontologist. So it's a, a doctor with, uh, for the elderly, but who deals with a lot of dementia and other sorts of um, ailments. And uh, his wife was also a physician. Um, they were watching the fight. He happens to be a big big boxing fan, and they were talking a lot about how they could notice it before the knockdowns, anything um, that's, that Spence was definitely affected. And they talked about how there was no lateral movement, which is one of the things that will happen to people that have, you know, um, you know, certain, certain brain injuries, um, uh, things like that. They, they can't move lateral, which he wasn't able to do. They also talked about the moment when the ring doctor came in that seemingly nobody asked for it. and he didn't you know assess spence from outside the ropes he was actually inside the ring which was kind of odd and a few people noticed that so he was he was talking about the car accident which um you know leading up to the fight and then immediately the day after the fight on social media i, I don't normally engage too much um just because uh, again you know uh, just with my role with fight news you know i don't normally get on and draw back and forth with people, you know, after the fact and say, I told you some things like that. But, um, you know, I was on the one hand, I was saying, um, that I didn't think probably had anything to do with it, or I didn't want it to be used as an excuse. I felt that Bud was going to win regardless. I didn't think it was going to be that one-sided as it was, but after, you know, listening to the position, um, talk last night and, and a lot of the input that he had i do think that contributed to the one-sidedness um not having you know heard that as i was watching the fight you know until a few days later i was very excited and surprised with the ease with which 
thought I handled it. He was on point. Um, and I just think as, as superior as he's ever been for any fight and, and carried out, you know, the game plan probably better than his, he had for any fight. And it was the biggest fight of his career. So, you know, I don't want to take anything away from his accomplishment by, you know, talking about the acting too much with Spence. I do think it affected him. Um, I don't think either guy has, has faced someone quite like the other, but I, I do think Bud had some of those extra elements and those intangibles that a lot of um, Spence's previous opponents, um, you know, just didn't have. I, I felt like, um, you know, when people were making the car accident an excuse, I said, yeah, but he fought Danny Garcia and, and uh, Jordanus Ugas after the car accident. And those were sooner after the accident than this. So he's had this much more time to heal and prepare. But um, I don't think it did him any favors taking the, sh the, the, the pinpoint hard shots that he took from, from Crawford. And um, <clears throat> you know, what this doctor was saying is he should likely never fight again, period. Um, just, you know, kind of cash out now and, and let that be that. And anybody that, you know, puts him in the ring again, um, you know, uh, should really think twice about it. And they, they should have uh, perhaps have their licenses taken away just for his own health and safety. Because really, I think the, the, um, the damage I don't think is, is, is done. I think it's, you know, there, there's going to be more down the line, uh, neurologically going on with him. Um, and, and, you know, the, they talked a little bit about the alcohol and the, and, you know, the smoking weed, which, uh, Spence is alleged to, you know, um, take part in quite a bit and people with injuries and, and, um, you know, brain damage actually have an affinity for alcohol and there have been rumors that you know he was getting into a lot of heavy drinking you know after his accident and during his recovery um and that and the weed are definitely things that don't help him but you know as far as the the fight goes um it was about as exciting as a one-sided fight could be only because i was a a, a crawford fan so <laughs> i couldn't uh I couldn't <laughs> see a fight uh, to, to see that fight go that well for but i thought it was going to be close um and it was going to be challenging not that it wasn't challenging for crawford but he he stepped up and met the challenge so i couldn't have been more happy for him and, and i wish spends well with whatever he does yeah and that that comment here from boxing bob newman photojournalist of fightnews.com of course we're here with boxing photographer pat orr and the owner of PB&J's Lunchbox, the exclusive partner for Christie's Corner. And we're here with the champ, International Boxing Hall of Famer, Christy Salters-Martin. Christy, I have a question for you. Speaking of champ, your dog champ uh, bumped you out of first class recently, and I want to discuss that. Yeah, so we were on, <laughs> on our way to Myrtle Beach um, last Monday, and um, champ you know, we're in first class. Champ wanted his mommy to hold him, and um, the attendants weren't buying it. And uh, they brought some executive bigwig on to to bump me back to coach, as if that was going to make him quiet down, moving him from first class to coach. And he still didn't stop barking and um, wanting his mommy to hold him. So they came back on the plane and um, and kicked us off. But 
The funny thing, you know how karma works, that plane never left. We went, uh, Champ and I went, got on another flight to Charlotte, to Myrtle Beach, and uh, in first class, he got out of his bag, I was allowed to, I was holding, and, uh, you know, it was all good. So we kind of got, you know, we kind of got the last laugh. That flight didn't go. He still got to sit in first class, and and I, and I held him on the way. But it made it for a very long, a very long day. But think about what he did, though. Yeah. Champ, Champ barked, so you got bumped out of first class. Kept barking, so you got bumped off the plane. That plane never leaves, and he hits you on another plane, which ends up leaving, and he's in first class. So I think Champ, as much as you had to be patient, may be one of the smartest dogs out there. He actually pulled a good one for me because Monday I was actually I was supposed to leave. That was on Tuesday that happened. Monday I was supposed to leave. The flight was canceled. To the airport didn't pay attention that the flight was canceled. They couldn't get me to Myrtle Beach in time for me to do the the uh, TV interview I was supposed to do. So I just thought I would leave on Tuesday morning. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, had he not got me kicked off the flight, we would have missed the next one. And yep. Wouldn't have made it to Myrtle Beach until Wednesday, probably. <laughs> Pat, you were you were saying something about it? Well, think about this. Champ has to pay for his seat. And he's, you know, he's nervous and uneasy and whining a little bit. And he gets kicked off the plane. But you have kids and babies on the plane all the time. I've, I've been on flights to Vegas where a kid cried the whole time. A kid didn't get kicked off the plane. So it's no different. You know, oh, they're yeah. paying for that kid's seat. But they're making it different because you know a dog is crying. Well, and I and, and you, I have to pay for I have to, I have to pay for every time. Round trip is two hundred and fifty bucks for Champ every time he goes, and he goes every yeah. flight. So. Well, and that's the thing. Like you got, you're mentioning it. There was a kid behind me that was screaming, and you know, and to the point where I put my headphones in. I wasn't even listening to music. I just put my headphones in my ears so that I could drown out some of the screaming and you know i mean that that's and i had somebody on the flight you know have a panic attack and start to get really upset i mean and that can cause the whole flight to get nervous and every we were in the air we're flying you know we're already up doing our thing so you know i mean i definitely think that a dog barking as pat so eloquently put it is no different than a kid screaming on a plane so it is uh, interesting uh jason down in florida is enjoying this conversation. Melanie said, I think I watched Christie's documentary on Netflix. She's awesome. So some uh, some good stuff coming in here for all of us. Thank you, Melanie. Be before we get to, yes, thank you, Melanie. Before we get to rapid fire, because I promised Bob he could be a part of it today. Before we get to that, we talk about being ready for a fight. And Bob's been all around the world with fightnews.com and, and just following his passion. He's been to so many different places, uh, the boxing uh, sanctioning bodies he's been able to work with, all four of them, all throughout the world. We talked about China, Peru, Africa, bunch of places here. And uh, Josh just wrote in, definitely have to have the pup. So, you know, that's the thing. See, everybody is hashtag pro champ this morning. That's that's what I feel about. Uh, but, but Bob, I want to go to you here because you were in South Africa for the first Lennox Lewis Haseem Rahman fight. And uh, that was all about being prepared and two totally different situations for both fighters. Lennox Lewis having the name, Rahman not having as big of a name, but they were in different places at different times. And going off of Spence Crawford, I'd love to get your thoughts on that kind of connected back. 
Well, so uh, yeah, I mentioned to you that um, I got I, I was I was uh, staying with with Hall of Fame referee Stan Christodoulou, and uh, ironically, he actually <clears throat> did not go to the fight. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, at that time, he had a little bit of a um, you know we talked about relationships and building relationships and everything, and he had a, a little bit of a souring with his, with, in his relationship with the promoter at that time. So he wasn't going to be going to the fight, but he was going to be watching the, the fight at a, at a screening. And, and I mentioned that because of the time difference, uh, so that it could be seen prime time on HBO in the United States. Um, I think Lewis came into the ring at like, you know, 3 AM South African time. So they were having it like, they were having like this, champagne steak and eggs breakfast or whatever at some big hall watching the fight on a huge screen but i was there with a few other folks um who, who i knew and um you know from other parts of the world japan and, and south africa and, and england and um so we get there and, and first of all my <laughs> i get there and because i was connected to stan even though i had confirmation that i had credentials when we got there and it was just about midnight suddenly i had no credentials and, and luckily Stan had given me his phone number. He said, if there's any problem, you give me a call. So they had a bank of media phones there. So I called him and, uh, and he said, put me on the phone with whoever's, you know, running the credentials. And, and I did. And next thing you know, they actually gave me someone else's ringside credentials. So I, I got in and, um, but, but going back to, um, the weigh-ins the day before, uh, Lewis, if I recall, weighed 253, and that tied the highest weight that he'd ever been in his career. Um, he came later than he was supposed to because he was just finishing filming his roles in the Ocean's Eleven movie. With uh, Ironically, there was a scene with him and, and Vladimir Klitschko actually having a fight. Um, so he came late. Um, he was not honoring a lot of his commitments with the promoter to do public appearances and, you know, to, to schools with the children and a lot of different things. And um, he was really at odds. I think he got there like less than 10 days before the fight, which, you know, you might think is enough to get over jet lag and acclimate yourself to the time difference and all that. <laughs> Rockman had been there for a month and really ingratiated himself to the public. Um, he made his appearances, but he was training. He, he was in, in really good shape. And it hearkened for me back to the Ali Foreman fight that was in Zaire back in 74. And a similar thing happened where the champ, in this case, Foreman, I think he had, he had gotten cut or something in, uh, in training. So he wanted to go back home and they were going to postpone the fight. And, um, uh, I think it was Mobutu, the president of Zaire, wouldn't let him leave and made him stay the whole time. Ali stayed. Ali was there uh, for a long time in advance, and the same thing endeared himself to the public. He was getting the chance of, you know, Ali Boumaye, Ali kill him, going in all the crowds, and um, and it was a huge up for that time. I think he was 32 or 34 years old, something like that. And Foreman was this, you know, monster, and. Um, Rockman, you know, basically kind of did the same thing, that the fans were uh, in favor of him. The atmosphere was, you know, really electric. And, um, you know, it was seemingly an even fighter, if anything, in favor of Lewis up until the fifth round when he, he you know, he hit um, Lewis with a good jab in the middle of the ring and Lewis backed up to the ropes and 
Hawkman followed him, followed him, and and Lewis had his guard up in kind of a weird way where he put both of his arms up, like out in front of him, and Hawkman fired a right underneath Lewis's left arm on the tip of the jaw, and he was out. And you know, as Pat can tell you, like you know, it's different from watching a fight on TV. There's a lot of things you don't see or hear that you you do ringside, and I I tell people all the time, Lewis fell right across from the corner uh, in his own corner, actually right across from the corner that I was shooting from. And I could hear his head hit the canvas like a bowling ball. And yeah. it, I was like, oh, my God, he is out. And and he, I think he beat the count, but just barely. But he was in no condition to continue. And it was a massive, massive upset. And, um, yeah, just, you know, being at something like that. And and, and I mentioned to you last night, I, I was able to, um, just through Stan Christodoulou, turning down, the offer to a spirit to, to appear on a talk show the, the day before the fight. Um, he, he dropped my name and said, you know, I have somebody uh, that you might want to have. And, and it turns out I was the only person besides the HBO crew in the media from America to go to that fight, because a lot of people just looked at it as a, you know, kind of a no, no chance in hell for, for right. to win the fight. Yeah. And um, I even had, um, you know, Hall of Famer, uh, just this past Brad Goodman from Top Rank said, <laughs> I, I won't say it exactly how he said it, but he said, what in the heck are you going to South Africa for a bleep fight like that for? <laughs> I said, because I have the opportunity to go, man. I have a place to stay. All I need is my plane ticket, and, 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 you know, and that's it. And, and everything else was, you know, through the relationship I built with Stan and, and you know, taken care of for me. So um, why not? And, um, you know, but that was coming from a, a guy who, who, um, you know, didn't like flying and I, I had no problem. That's the only way to get places <laughs> nowadays, you know, I'm not going to get to South Africa paddling a boat. So, you know, I went and, and I'm glad, I'm glad I went. It was a huge upset. I don't even think I would have predicted it, but, um, it was a huge upset, but I was on the talk show the day before and, um, you know, we talked about all those things, the atmosphere, the, the, the Rockman kind of endearing himself to the fans and I just felt it was eerily similar to the atmosphere and the conditions of of the Ali Foreman fight. I, I wouldn't go out on a limb and say that Rockman was going to win, but I said all the ingredients are there for an upset. And I left it at that, and that's what happened. Yeah, you know, and, and I think it's interesting, like you said, like you went over there and people are like, why are you going over there? And then, you know, to Pat's story of being prepared and standing up and, and being by her camera when everybody else was having a party in the rafters, you know, why, why be ready? And it's, it's because of, you know, those incredible moments and the, the things that you got to do, which is pretty remarkable and amazing. And I definitely appreciate it and value it. I'm happy that you're both here on the show to talk about those moments. It's time to play rapid fire. Christy gets to go first. This is how we're going to run this thing. So we're going to involve Bob in this and here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. So we're going to go Christy, Bob, me, Pat, and then we're going to go back. So Christy, you get to ask Bob the first question. What do you got? Well, I have I have like a couple questions I could ask, but I think I'll just... I could put Bob on the spot and say, hey, you know, who's your favorite female fighter? But I won't do that. <laughs> I will um, I will say if there's one fight that you could make, whether it's a fighter that's, that's active today or one from the past, you can put a past with an active fighter, put any fight together that you would like. 
what fight would it be? Oh gosh. Um, or maybe it's a fight that happened. You know, maybe it's Hagler Hearns. What What would be like? What do you think is like the just matchup? Well, let me say, like you know, right now I think one of the obvious dream matchups from with a fighter from the past, somewhat from the past, he's still kind of lingering a little bit, and the fighter right now. Let's have a welterweight fight between Bud Cross and Floyd Mayweather. Oh, wow. Uh, Okay. I like that. That's cool. All right, Bob, what's your question for me? Oh, uh, celebrity crush. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Nice. This is, this is the, no, the fun, the fun part for me is I can't get in trouble. So I, oh man. There's a few, but I'd probably have to say without doubt the timeless one. And I still watch the show. I was watching the show last night. Jennifer Aniston all day. It's got to be Jennifer Aniston. It's got it's got to be Jennifer Aniston. But it, but it's also Rosario Dawson. And I mean, there's there's other people that that could just fit right in that spot. Uh, Megan Good. But yeah, Gen- Jennifer Aniston. If she if she and I were in the same vicinity, I would ask her out because that's just who I am. That's that's how I roll. So I'd walk right up to her and ask her. Well, I'm more with you in terms of uh, not being able to name just one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it's got to be. I wasn't sure how this was going to go. I thought everybody would have to answer the same question and then it would come back to me. So I was actually thinking <laughs> Of who mine, who mine were too, and there wasn't just one, but yeah, yeah. You you were thinking it was a boxing match, and you were being prepared. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> get Robin. Gotta get ready here. All right, my question for Pat. Hmm. Hmm, Miss Orr. Let me think here. Let me think. All right, Pat. All right, all right, Pat. <laughs> If you were a bumper sticker, what would what would it say? I asked Pat this question because I want her to do it, try and do it without swearing. I know what she wants to put on the bumper sticker. <laughs> I know what she wants to put there. Well, I'm probably going to swear, <laughs> but from driving home from Myrtle Beach yesterday and all of the traffic I was in, yeah. three-lane highways, the bumper sticker would probably say, move your ass to the right and get the fuck out of my way. Oh, wow. <laughs> I hope you're ready for BB. Because I was playing NASCAR on the way home and I was bobbing and weaving and I was going from the rough to the right lane over to the middle nobody stays in their lane right <laughs> and everybody right. would get to the place quicker if people would just stay to the right if there's faster cars behind i am okay there's a couple things i want to note one i'm happy that if i'm ever driving i'm i'm gonna be with pat and not on the road somewhere around her two I have to be very thankful that we are not on traditional radio because there is no FCC on the internet. And three, 
I believe that Pat just dropped the first F-bomb of wake-up calls potential history ever. So I guess let's celebrate the F. Let's celebrate the fact that we heard it today. It's not a $350,000 fine. And apparently wake-up call is now totally primed for Sirius XM radio. So thank you for that, Pat. <laughs> Well, it was a long day yesterday, and that was my that was my challenge of the day for like fourteen hours. I I hear I hear move your and I hear I hear the a word come out, and I go, okay, she said that before. Her and Christy went through a th- went through like who can swear the most a few weeks ago, but you know to throw that to drop that f bomb here. I mean, I I just I'm just sitting here in my mind. I'm going to, you know, this, this might be an archive show that I, that I just hold on to forever. And they're like, Dan, in the last 20 years, which will happen in November for me as a broadcaster, you know, name your favorite shows. And I might do like a little piece of each. And I'd be like, the first time an F word was ever said on wake of call, Pat Orr. <laughs> so, all right, Pat, what's your question for me? Keep it, keep it cleaner. Let's, let's even it out today. Keep it cleaner. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, first of all, did you watch the Crawford fight? I did not get to see it. No, I didn't get to see it. So I had to go back and look. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. I know it's football season for you. Yes. And you're covering all these conferences and you're traveling all over. Yes. Um, you were in Charlotte this weekend? Yeah, I was in, I was in. Charlotte for the ACC and Arlington, Dallas, Texas for the American before that. Why the hell didn't you come to Myrtle Beach and watch the fight with us? <laughs> because I <laughs> was doing work the whole time. I actually had to miss part. I had to miss the first day of the ACC in order to go to the American. I like the fact that when I was literally at the airport my first day, Pat sent me a text message and said, are you home yet? And I was like, I just left. Like, I, ju- I just got on the road. But no, I mean, I have no problem going to Myrtle Beach. And actually, one of my best friends, Isaac Elford, he was he was out in South Carolina as well. So when I was in North, he was in South. And we were only an hour and a half away from each other. And if I was going to be there a little bit longer that week, this past week, I was going to go visit him. So yeah, there was a there was a good possibility that it could happen. But I was trying to get home on Friday and I actually had to fly into Buffalo and drive from Buffalo. And I was telling Christy off the air, thank God I didn't wait in LaGuardia because the flight I didn't make, the one after it that was like hours after, it got canceled. So I would have waited for like six hours in the airport for a canceled flight. Yeah, they rescheduled me on a flight to Boston and then to Syracuse, but I couldn't get from Charlotte or from Myrtle to Charlotte to catch that flight, and then it got delayed and I would have missed it. So I would have been stuck in Boston if I did my flight the way Americans set it up. Yeah. So that's why that's why I drove and tortured myself for all those hours. <laughs> so yes, I would have liked to come, and yes, we all need to get together very soon. Thank you, Pat, for A, swearing, and B, putting me on the spot today. All right, Bob. Pat's just got, she's got energy today and we need to target it. We need to put it toward Taco Tuesday. That's where the energy needs to go. So let's, let's see hey, here. Hold on one second. Yeah. yeah. Dan and Pat and, and Bob, if you want, uh, August 18th, which is Friday on the zone, my chant, my, my, uh, 
light heavy light lightweight not light heavyweight uh lightweight tony aguilar will be fighting on the zone and uh, jake paul promotion show down in orlando so there you go yeah and it's all it's all meet up in orlando so here's so here's the thing low key around that day around like 18 19 i have to go back i actually have to go back down to florida so if i can make that work i was already turning my sights toward that so if i can do that on a later flight what time is the flight or what time is the fight what time did you say um, good question probably starts at seven okay all right i could potentially make that happen Hey, hey, you know what, Pat? No excuse, no excuses. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that I got to go back down to Florida in the middle of August. So, okay. So now I get to ask Bob a question. Let's get me off the hot seat. All right, Bob. Hmm. We had a lot of we had a lot to talk about yesterday off the air. So. I'm going to I'm going to throw you a total curveball, something that we didn't talk about yesterday. If you could pick 3 songs for the rest of your life to play in your car, what 3 songs could could just be enough for you? Oh man. You know what? I I whenever I hear these things, I well, I'm glad it's 3 and not 1. Because right. I can never just pick one and I'm a big a big head. But um, man, I would have to try to pick some from a couple different genres. Oh man, um, let me let me think about it. So, um, I think one of them would be. Um, oh man, I can't even think of the. Uh, I can't even think of the name of the song. It's by Macklemore. It's. Um, what was that big hit he had? Uh, oh, the one. You know, put our hands up. Um, yeah, it's the one that I know. I know the entire Macklemore song. I know the entire one you're talking about. And so it's because uh, because I always quote, "I got the city right behind me. If I fall, they got me." So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so we put our hands up. Yeah, that song. I know. I know the one you're. I, yeah. So whatever that song is, that's one. Okay. Um. Oh man, so that'll be for like my whatever, like the hip hip hop kind of dance genre. Um, <clears throat> I'm a I'm a heavy metal guy, so holy cripes. Um, I would have to say maybe. <laughs> well, I don't even think you guys are gonna know this, but Adios by Rammstein. They're a German heavy metal band, and um, okay, that song I could just wreck my neck too just banging my head um <laughs> okay and wow um you know what probably anything um i don't want to be cliche and say cats in the cradle but anything by harry chapin because uh, my dad introduced me to him as a kid and uh you know my dad's gone now but um uh that was um that was like an artist that we kind of bonded over and now i have so much more appreciation for him as i am actually now older than my dad when he passed away um but but uh, that i that i did it time you know when i was younger but it was kind of a thing that we bonded over and that was his favorite artist and uh I, i've since like kind of uncovered some documentaries very safe and so on and so forth but i'd probably say you know anything by him so that kind of comes in the folksy 
genre. Okay. Cool. And you and you said uh, it's Can't Hold Us by Macklemore, which is one of my favorite yeah, songs yeah. of all time. Yeah. So Can't Hold Us. I love when I love when I quote that and then people go, who's Macklemore? And I'm like, he came, he came out like a f- years ago. I mean, it's not like he came out like 80 years ago. The man's been out for a while and he's he's like mainstream, still doing stuff. But yeah. whatever. So. All right, Bob, you're quite. Yeah, I know who he is because you can't not, you know. Yeah, yeah. Bo- Boxing Bob Newman listens to Wake Up Call and Macklemore. That's it. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, Bob. What's your question for Christy? Oh goodness! All right, I got things open here. Um. Well, let's see. I know you have Champ right now. Um. So I, you must be an animal lover. Um. How many how, how, how many pets have you had since, since you were a kid, if you can think of? And were they only just dogs? Yeah, actually, um, my mom is probably listening. I love you. I hope you're feeling well this morning, and I'll, I'll give you a call in a little bit. Um, would not allow me to have me or my brother. We couldn't have a dog or anything in the house. So really didn't have a real pet until... I graduated from high school and was in college. I had a little Pomeranian, and um, it was a tiny little guy. I got caught with him in the dorm, so my mom had to keep him for a couple weeks because it was almost at Christmas break. So she kept Casey for a couple weeks. By the time I got home for Christmas, she I think she had her little baby. She loved him, and um, so I had Casey, and... Casey passed after about 13 years, and then I went 22 years without another pet because I just couldn't yet. And um, now I have Champ, and I am 100% a puppy mom, and like that puppy mom that people would hate (laughs) because I think he he should be able to go any place, which he does. Um, Yeah, so two, two Pomeranian puppies. That's, that's been my pet life. I actually had a hamster. Do you want to know the hamster story? So if, even if you don't, I'm going to tell it. Uh, <laughs> I had a hamster while I was in college. And, you know, hamsters are just tiny little hamsters. And I I shouldn't tell the story. So I opened up my <laughs> dorm door. And we know how heavy those dorm doors are. And I just heard crunch. And I crunched my hamster in the door as I opened it. Um, so those are my pets. Well, you know, you know what's going to save you from PETA is the fact that uh, your friend Pat dropped an f bomb today. <laughs> so that's that's what's going to save you today. But uh, no, that's you know, this the thing though, and I do want to let you know I started uh, two hashtags on our feed, and uh, Josh put pets are family too. Ross put have a great show. Uh, Tito Cologne from the uh, Boxing Hall of Fame said good morning to everybody here. And I, I started two hashtags for champ. Uh, one says hashtag pro champ and the other one says champ for pilot. So I'm uh, <laughs> trying to make sure. Oh, wow. So he hasn't even he hasn't even moved. He's been he's been good because normally we see him run around a little bit. 
So with that being said, Boxing Bob Newman, you could find him with fightnews.com, photojournalist, and one of the longest standing members of that staff since back in 1999. So Bob, I want to thank you for being a part of today's show. As I told you off the air, would love to talk with you again. Loved our conversation yesterday as well. And I truly appreciate you being a part of today and, and sharing time with us and sharing some stories with us as well. Oh, thanks, Dan. It was a pleasure and a privilege, and uh, I'd love to come back anytime. Right, well, sounds good. Well, take care of yourself. Say hi to your wife, thanks, and we'll Bob. talk soon. Thanks, Bob. Right, thank you. I will do. And uh, talk to you later, ladies. And Pat, I'll be looking for that tie-dye T-shirt sometime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I get my T-shirt guy to get in touch with me. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll be coming by for some food, too. Awesome. <laughs> thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. So here, here, take care. So here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, we're going to do uh, one more round since we always do rapid fire together. So Christy and Pat, you guys get to ask each other and then, you know, we'll, then I'll, I'll include myself in here in some way, but I want to sit back and, and see what you guys are going to ask each other today because Pat's getting a little bit feisty. And uh, and Christy, Christy's always feisty, so we got to have some fun with this. So, Christy, you get to ask Pat a question. What do you got? Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> really, the questions that are going through my mind, I can't ask on air. Um, oh, you can pretty much do anything, as Pat has proven today on air. So, Pat. For those 12 hours that you were driving home from Myrtle Beach, were you thinking that you're never going to come to another Christy Martin show? Hell no. I would never think that. Um, you know, the 12 hours, I, I never would have made it if you didn't send me the link to the fights and I could listen to that announcer, horrendous announcer, that did the fights. Yeah. The I, told, I, I think when I sent that to you, opinions the way yeah. he did. So when I, I, I sent awake, that, I was, that. yeah, I was like, Pat, if you want something that's going to help keep you awake for 12 hours here, this will do it. And it's, it's going to keep you awake, not because of his excitement that he brought to the, to the show, but from the negativity and the, the, uh, the just asshole that he was, um, what was that? Five hours. I, I was like, did he just say that? And he just say that again? Um, personally, I think your next fight should be in Myrtle Beach, and it should be Mayhem and Myrtle Eight, and the main event should be Skip against <laughs> the announcer, right? So that we all can see him get his ass kicked the way he deserves because he ruined that tv coverage he was horrible right, right. horrible and you know what this guy shows up in a freaking t-shirt like in a t-shirt with his hair not combed and i mean i know some mornings i get on here and my hair doesn't exactly look perfect but um you know come on man and i do i do have it on a t-shirt but it's a christy martin promotions t-shirt um yes this man shows up to do a live stream uh commentating with a t-shirt on i mean come on dude if you can't afford a, a button-up shirt, let me know. I'll, I'll pay for that. Yeah, you know, we... we... He, didn't, he didn't have anything good to say. Like, uh, you know, just saying that, oh, they must have got this guy off the street. Um, 
you know, like attacking Skip the way he did. Um, I mean, I, I've been around Skip for years, and, you know, probably the first half of him, he wouldn't even give me the time of day if I said hi to him. Never a response, nothing, just walk away. Um, but through the years, you know, I've, I've talked to him and stuff, and, and I got to tell you, I do respect him a little bit because he's dealing with with me, young men that, you know, they don't have anywhere to go. You know, if they don't do this, they could end up in jail, um, you know, because they don't have the mindset to do the right thing, you know, and he's trying to teach them and help them. And not everybody he brings to a fight should come to a fight. But when your card falls apart 10 days before the fight and you've got to replace people because perfectly well fighters backed out on you because they're scared, they're chicken. People don't want to fight now. And, you know, so Skip Skip kind of saves the day sometimes. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not, you know. But um, when you've got less than 10 days to put a fighter on a card so you don't have to cancel, you know, it, Skip gets it done for you. And, you know, he tells them to fight, but he can't make them fight, you know. And they get in that ring, and some of them, you can see the, the scaredness in their eyes, just like, man, I do not want to be here. And they'll they'll fall down without even getting punched. But then there's fighters that come and they, they're gamers, you know. So um, the commentary by that guy about Skip, uh, Skip should get one round with him well, in the ring. Well, we got and shut him the hell up. We got him. A, we got a message here. Uh, Josh wrote in. He was the worst. Just talked down on everyone. Skip would kick his blank. So that's that's what we got that came in here today. And, and you know, maybe it shouldn't be in the ring. Maybe it should be on the beach outside the hotel. Right. You know? Right. But, well, you but, know what? You know what? Um, yeah, the whole thing is, it, it, it wasn't just it wasn't just his attack on Skip. It, he has by by attacking Skip and attacking the show, it attacked me. It it it, it hurt me oh. personally. It hurt totally. me professionally worse than personally because you know I have thick skin that that Don King told me a long time ago. If you're going to be in this business, you have to develop. So look, I don't I don't really give a shit if if uh, you know you want to hurt me. But pull me off to the side and tell me that. Don't 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 blast me out. And then I had to pay you. That's the shitty part. And I gave you know I gave the wife and the and the kids free tickets and took care of them. But but you know yeah. he forgot to mention uh, Trey Stout from West Virginia was was if we want to say A and B side it was a good fight. He said Trey had a background in MMA. Trey never even wrestled in high school. So I mean he didn't even have facts straight. Trey lost to a, um, a tough fighter that, that was never given any credibility to, um, Christopher, uh, per year from down in Jacksonville, Florida, not given any credibility. Um, Zach Randolph, who is a credible light heavyweight from West Virginia was knocked out by a guy to Taylor that this guy referred to basically as a skip guy. Um, and, and Tyleek knocked him out. So, but he never said, Oh wow. Skip's in that corner. And the guy just won. The women's fight, yeah, never, Melissa Hernandez yeah. and Carla Torres was a, uh, you could put that on anything. You could put that on HBO, you could put that on Showtime, you could put that on The Zone. Uh, no credibility. Yeah. So it's just like this guy walked in with a chip on his shoulder and I'm going to I'm gonna basically screw Christy and, um, and he did. But you know what? Fuck you and I'm going to keep doing what I do. So there you go, Dan. Yeah, we have two. He didn't even know the fighters' names half the time. He was just calling them blue corner, red corner. 
you know, and then when uh, he had the mic and he said, well, you gave me a mic, so I'm going to say what I want, basically. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And well, the, the unprofessionalism and the disrespect, um, you know, if, if that was in the job world, he would have been fired on 